Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we're talking about guilt. Do you find guilt to be a good motivator? Sometimes, right? But do you ever stop to think about how many times guilt demotivates you from doing something good? After all, guilt only exists inside our minds, right? We're talking about it all up next after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama defended the drone strike program today, saying it has saved lives, but also laid out plans to scale back strikes abroad. The president also reaffirmed his push to close the prison at Guantanamo Bay. Experts in Oklahoma say the deadly tornado, which ripped through a suburb of Oklahoma City earlier this week, caused an estimated $2 billion worth of damage. 13,000 structures were damaged by the storm. Leaders of the Boy Scouts of America are voting today on a proposal to end the organization's over 100-year ban on openly gay scouts. Even if the proposal is affirmed, there will still be a ban on openly gay leaders. Pro-gun groups in Connecticut announced today they are suing the state over a strict gun control measure passed in April. The suit claims the new law violates the Second Amendment and does nothing to protect against gun crime. Lawmakers are introducing new legislation to help stop sexual assault in the nation's armed forces. A bipartisan measure introduced in both houses of Congress would require a dishonorable discharge for anyone found guilty of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault. In world news, British police have arrested two more men who may be connected to the vicious attack on a British soldier yesterday. The attack is believed to be motivated by revenge over wars in Muslim countries. Riots in Sweden continued into a fourth day today. Groups of mainly 20-somethings continue to smash windows and burn cars while police up their response. The demonstrations are motivated by anger over increased police brutality. And an 80-year-old Japanese man has successfully reached the summit of Mount Everest to become the oldest man to ever make the climb. Upon reaching the summit, he said there is no greater feeling. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, kids. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. And uh, today we have got another great topic for you. I don't know what that was either. I really like how you do your European migration accent. Was thing. that the European migration accent? Because you started kind of Scottish and you ended well, like yeah. Italian. Well, I don't. I think we're. I think they've migrated west. So that's kind of the Americanized European migration. You just kind of sweep mm-hmm. the continent. Well, then by the time I'm done doing it, I'm like, what was that? Uh, don't worry. We are too. But that was my excitement because I'm so excited about today's show. I think today's show has more ability to change your life than even, I don't know, grief bacon. What's grief bacon, Matt? Great question, Matt. <laughs> Grief bacon, grief bacon is the wait. Wait, if we're doing if we're doing accents, okay? Could you could you say the word for it? I can I you can't Matt? say the word. You can't. You don't want to say it. I'm or you afraid can't? of the word Where did it go? because it almost looks. I know what it is. Well, it's German, so there's a word. You know, this is what's funny about our language is we don't always have the word for the need. Have you noticed that? Okay, what do you mean? Sometimes we have a need, but we don't have a word for it. 
we have a need. We have something that we want to communicate. For example, excess weight gained from emotional overeating. Right? We want we want something simpler. We want than, a word to say all of this sentence. excess gain. Like like let's say you you lost your spouse, and somebody comes up to you and says, "Whoa, you seem to have gained weight because of your grief." But we don't have a way to say that. Unless, well, yeah, but like blubber wouldn't work. Like, whoa, you're blubbery. Because that's just rude. That's, uh, there's comparisons to whales, yeah, and that's just yeah, bad, yeah. bad for your feeling of self well, How about this? Like, oh, you've let yourself go. Yeah, also so not helpful. Wrong. But in Germany, they have a word for it. And we're going to let our German expert, Rob. Me? What's I took the word, one Rob? German class in my life. I don't have the word. I've got it right here. Do you have it? I'll try to pronounce it. Okay. It is. But make sure you get a little spitty. Kummerspeck. <laughs> Kummerspeck. Yeah. Kummerspeck. But I didn't take enough German. I don't know what that means. Okay. But what you know what Kummerspeck means? What does it mean? It By literal definition, it means grief bacon. That makes you know what? I burned, makes sense. I burned my grief bacon last night. So you were in grief. You were grieving last well, night. I, I had a pretty, I had a decent night. It was just fun, and you know, we had to go on a bike ride with some friends and a girl and stuff, and we went out to eat and stuff. And then afterwards, it was like didn't know what to think about it, so I stopped at the store, making some bacon. Took some bacon home, <laughs> burnt Gotta it in the come. microwave. You burnt your bacon. Did that cause grief? It did. Then what? More so bacon. I had to make more bacon to get over burning my Kummer bacon. Speck. Well, I, so what makes it grief bacon? Is it like – because you'll add bacon to dishes. You know, well, I'm eating waffles. Is it like when all I make is bacon and then I just sit down with a, a plate of bacon and then an with addict. my hand I eat the bacon yeah. and yours, nothing else? No, yours isn't Kummer Speck. That isn't. Yours is just you're a, you're a baconaholic. I don't know. That seems grief-worthy. Yeah, but see, that's not the word. The word is kummerspeck. So when, <laughs> that's when somebody has grief and they eat bacon. That's not Literally, it just means literally grief bacon. You're going to take care of your grief by putting down some pork. We're going to indulge. Mm-hmm. But I think what it really means is when you've gained excess weight because of emotional overeating, which we all do. Now, here's how we're going to fix it on the show today. Boom! We've got one of my favorite guests of all time. He is – he hates me to say this, I'm sure, but he's the man. He is the myth. He's the legend. He's a sports psychologist for crying out loud. He is like a full-fledged, purebred stud, sports psychologist. He can help you get better at anything. He's worked with the best athletes around. He's been a tennis coach at Brigham Young University and has had seven uh, Mountain West Conference titles in tennis. He's the bomb. College tennis, he's amazing. So Craig Manning is coming to join us, Dr. Craig Manning. He's going to teach us a bunch of stuff, but the main thing he's going to teach us is guess what? Your head messed up. Sorry to get so direct, but it's our head that gets in the way because it's our head that makes us need bacon. Kummerspeck. Or it's our head that makes us think, well, now that this awful thing has happened, I better grab something that's terrible for me and just – Eat it until I'm more that than person. Yeah. What? I'm more bacon than human. Okay, that was good. That's like, that's true though. That's I, didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want to get specific. Like it can be pasta. It could be pasta. That's what I did last night. It could be macaroni and cheese. That's where I'd go. Right? There you Mine go. Mine would be kumarconi. <laughs> Something like that. I don't, I don't think that would. I, don't, I get it though. I get it. Yeah. I get what you're going for. Okay. We'll see. So 
fear, if you've got fear in your head, it's in, or if you've got fear in your life and you're afraid of stuff, it's in your head. If you've got some guilt you've got to get rid of, it's in you. It's inside of you. If you've got a lot of worry inside of you, it's in you. We're going to teach you today how to get out of your head. Get rid of all that silly stuff and let our very own Craig Manning, he's going to guide, guide you through that. So it's, it's going to be a great show. And again, I can't, I'm, I don't want to like build him up too much because what if he just, he, well, he's a performance expert. He can deliver. I'm just worried I'm overhyping him, but I'm not because he really is. Honestly, and we've talked about it a million times, he's my favorite guest because he makes me feel better. Like, and, and then he gives me great advice of how to deal with Skyboy. Right? Because if I have any more bacon because of the pain he causes me. Hi, Skyboy. Hey, Matt. So you uh, you actually broke your you broke your little key thing. What's it called? Your I've monitor. Been, yeah, I broke it. So yesterday, what happens when you hit it too hard? It breaks. It breaks. Gives people grief. Lots of grief, and then you've got then they bacon Kumerspeck. Yeah, I hope that's said right because I'm <laughs> I'm butchering it. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but here's the other thing: when we bring up guilt, there's there's this weird thing that goes on because somehow. Guilt and food seem to be deeply correlated. Is that true, Merritt? It's absolutely true. Why? Because I don't, I don't, I don't see the correlation. I don't go to food when I'm guilty. No. Well, see, but this is the thing. Think about guilt and all. There's guilt-free foods. Mm. There's that guilty, sinful chocolate that you can have. Ugh. You can feel guilty after you eat something, but really, the correlation doesn't exactly make sense. No. No. Because yeah. guilt is an emotion that is the result of doing something that goes against your values. You system. think so, right? Like, hey, I feel yeah. guilty. Oh, man, yeah. I just drove over Skyboy. God, I feel bad. Yeah, Dang but it. so why do we feel guilty about eating food? Because food is basically good. I mean, yeah. it gives us life, yeah. fuel. Uh-huh. There are a lot of people who would love food. Right. I don't know? do well without food. Exactly. I, don't. I know people that have died without it. It, I, it happens. Yeah. Not only that, but food is, we're programmed to Eat. correlate food with pleasure. Right. Because as children, food means being held in our mother's arms. Mm-hmm. It means being taken care of. Then as we grow up, we get praised for eating. You know, the little kid has oh, a Cheerio. Oh, you ate your whole thing. Good. You ate a Cheerio. Yeah. You put a Cheerio in your mouth. Yay. Yeah. And then, you know, and then food gets used as rewards. We yeah. have food on birthdays. We have food. I have a friend who says the greatest thing about being grown up is going to lunch. Oh, wow. See, I yeah. don't find that. Uh, my, kids, <laughs> my kids put What's... their food when they were kids. They put it in their nose. See, food so is great. Three out of my six kids, we had to get a food object out of their nose. Did you go to the radiologist? No, no I found no. the coolest way ever. People have to breathe in and out. Oh. So if you cover their mouth <laughs> and the other nostril, Process the food's going to go in further or it's going to come out. It's pretty cool. And mm. pretty much every time I could get them to pop it out. Yeah, no, my... Frog eye noodles, Done. Didn't there? Like, M&M's, make friends. <laughs> my, but not when they come out your nose. My grandfather, he was a radiologist, and every now and then, a kid would come in. They'd be like, <laughs> we think he put something up his nose. And he'd be like, no, he put a few things up no, his nose. <laughs> I think that's a Lego. <laughs> I think that's a Lego man. Yeah, yeah see, so food, food is, it, it is kind of correlated to guilt, but it should be correlated kind of. to joy. Well, see, the thing is, is that as we grow up, you, you know, you hit puberty, those awkward teenagers, and all of a sudden you go from food being great, you should eat your food, yeah. eat your whole plate to, uh, you better not eat that, Yeah, you're going to gain weight, you're right. going to, you know, it's you're judged for what you eat, for how you eat. See, I think this is a girl thing. I, I, I would agree with that. Because when I, when I was in 
just getting out of puberty. Um, when just I was, last week. When I was 18. <laughs> and it was a long puberty. Like, it hit me hard. Um, but it was a big deal because I ate a whole, a big, a whole, um, what's it called? Big Mac combo meal. And, like, everyone was like, you are the man! <laughs> Holy, did you eat all of that? Yeah, for sure. That was cool. But apparently with the ladies, now, ooh, it's, it's like different. you ate that whole thing. It's like you didn't eat salad for every <laughs> meal this past week. Oh, that's oh my sad. gosh. So you would feel yeah. guilty. So so we feel guilty about what we eat. We eat something and then it makes it feel bad. But what does that do to us? Oh, that messes us up. We, we seriously buy into advertising, mm-hmm. the whole free food idea. Um, it can cause anxiety, mm-hmm. which that's also not good. Depression. There's lots of eating disorders. Well, are that, to yeah. It. Even, um, I mean, we we all know about like anorexia and bulimia. I learned a new one today, which is called orthorexia. Oh boy, we have is, two word, two new words today. Yeah, two new words. Orthorexia. And- it's a term by Stephen Bratman, and he's it's an obsession with healthy eating that leads to starvation and malnutrition, malnutrition obsessive like compulsive. Yeah. So the obsessive yeah. with healthy eating also yeah. leads to unhealthiness, which is great. And then there's just the idea that I, I find this a lot, that once you feel guilty about food, you want to eat more of it. Well, yeah. Kummerspeck. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, or Guilt bacon. I, my roommates, I'll, I'll make cookies and, you know, I'm totally good just having a few cookies. It's great. But my roommates are like, oh, my gosh, I can't have cookies. And then they panic about it for about 15 minutes. And uh, by the time they finally get to the point where they're going to eat a cookie, they're yeah. like, whatever. I'm I'll a mess. Just have a whole dog. I'm a train wreck. It's, it's kind of like, I, I only want to put my foot, just, I just want to put my feet in the pool. Yeah. And, and that's it. But like, <laughs> but like they, they just, instead of, they just think about it. And then instead of just putting their feet in the pool, yeah. they, they dive they all the dive way in. in. They're like, oh, my hair is messed up. Better stay yeah. here all day. Exactly. Oh. So then it's, then they no longer think rationally about it and eat a whole dozen. See, people are messed. Exactly. Actually, Mary, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. On more than one occasion, I have been out uh, eating with a lady friend and mm. um, she will apologize for eating her food. Exactly. She feels guilty. She's like, oh. She's like, oh, I'm just really hungry. I'm sorry I'm eating so much. I'm sorry I'm actually finishing my plate. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, no, you are exaggerating, but that is accurate. See, the that's, exaggeration. that's the kind yeah. of ladies you go out with. See, when I would go out, they'd be licking the plate. They wouldn't say a word. <laughs> yum, yum, they'd take yum. your plate. They'd take someone that's else's right. plate. Well, are you going to finish that? It's this whole idea that food is bad, so if you eat food, you are therefore evil in some sort of sense. I don't get, like, I don't, I don't get it either. Like but. There, there is a point where I would be frightened by a quantity of food that a human can eat. That, that, that point well, yeah. exists. Well, by the time, yeah, if, if EMS is called right. because you just finished dinner. <laughs> like if your stomach has expanded so much that yeah. you're having trouble breathing, uh-huh. you've hit the stopping point. But that's really hard to do. Right. Or if there's order, television cameras. You know, a person orders a two for 20 for themselves. Oh, oh is that wrong? <laughs> Is that bad? You've done that? Yeah. I did that on the drive here. It, it, so, but it, the guilt thing's huge. Because then it's, yeah. but that's all in your head. It's See, none of that's real. Because, no. like, if I'm on a date, I'm not like, good grief. No, that but that girl's shoveling the Here's even better. Man, is she eating? Yeah. Ugh. Like, oh, no one does that. But here's yeah. the cool thing that once we feel guilty about food, that actually makes food more desirable. There's mm-hmm. this totally backed up, obviously. Yeah. But totally backed up by lots of studies yeah. that the minute we forbid ourselves from eating something, the more we want it, yeah. the harder it is to resist it. Totally. Can't think rationally about it anymore. But that's anything you forbid yourself. So that, exactly. like, my sisters told me, they used to put in the um, cigarette lighter uh, in the car. Back in the day, you used to have a cigarette lighter in your car. Mine has one. And you'd push it in, 
and it heats up. And then they'd take it out and there'd be this red orange glow and they'd say, do not touch that. Don't touch <laughs> no, that. No. Yeah. And Matt. as a little kid, I'm like, hey, <laughs> fried my Game finger. over. Yeah. Also, life pro tip, if you're ever out uh, f- doing fireworks, that's the way to light your fireworks. That thing instead of matches. Anyway. Look best, at you. Best thing I ever learned in my life. But they're dangerous. Do not put them on your Are face. Are they still in? They're not in cars. I guess you have to order them in your car now because my car doesn't have one. I couldn't smoke or light a firework <laughs> or burn my kids' fingers. Fun fact that nobody would care about, but in the late 90s when there was a lot of anti-tobacco stuff going on, I, I had a car that was a 1995 model that came with a cigarette lighter. Yeah. Family member had one that was a 1999 model, same car. All they did was replace it with a little plastic cap that looked like a cigarette lighter that went in. They didn't hadn't had time to redesign the car, so I think it was probably in that yeah, era, that the, the late era. 90s. They got rid of them right then. They got rid of those. See, guilt, fear, none of it's real, but then we think it, and then it keeps perpetuating more of our problems. Yeah, that's what Craig Manning is going to talk about. You need to listen because all. You re- this food thing bugs you. It does. It you drives go, me crazy. Do you go for the sweet or the salty? Um, either. <laughs> I yes. really like the food. answer to that question is yes. It's you great. have to choose one like junk one. food on a drive. A junk food. A junk food. To I, California. See, but that's the thing. I don't go for junk food very much. Really? No. If you had to choose one well-made food, <laughs> one well-made not food. junk. Okay, my two favorite foods. Ready? Yeah. Chocolate and avocados. Ugh, together? <laughs> Not together. Because that sounds horrible. Like guacamole? There we go. Do you like guacamole? Guac- yeah. yeah I, I could eat guacamole. Could you really? Could you just eat meal. like an avocado? Just Oh, numb. heck yes. Yeah. Gow. With yeah. a spoon. Could you do that, Bryce? Avocados? I can't do them. They don't taste like anything to me. So it, it tastes like I'm eating- It's a texture problem for me. Yeah. It's it's like lumpy, mm-hmm. nutty mashed potatoes, but so like with no flavor. You just have to make it into something amazing. But your opinions can change. For the first 27 years of my life, I couldn't stand an avocado, and then randomly a year ago, boom. You know that's called? Like yeah. I suddenly that's maturity <laughs> right there. I tell my kids Wisdom. someday you'll love So you're avocado. saying you haven't reached it? No, I haven't. <laughs> but you like chocolate too. I do. I love chocolate in its purest, like darkest, most bitter form. Really? Yeah. Cocoa powder? Probably. <laughs> Is that why you always come in with like a big rant, brown <laughs> ring around your face? That's, I just imagine her just mm. taking a handful out of Ooh. the cocoa, the baking, no, likes cocoa. Luckily, like the Hershey baking. Luckily, the chocolate cocoa. lovers of the world have That's offered other. Interesting. But then you feel guilty, don't you? No, not really. <laughs> okay, well, maybe you're the healthy one here. Okay, so we're going to be talking about guilt, fear, and worry. Thoughts. These are all in your head. They don't, but they, I mean, they cause big problems. But they're in you, right? Guilt is in you. Your fears of the world are in you. They're not even in the world. They're just in your head. But eventually they get acted out in our lives. Dr. Craig Manning's going to be joining us. He's going to help us uh, fight through some of this thinking and um, hopefully get us back on track. We'll be back with a little bit of Bryce Tobin right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A breakthrough in reading brain signals leads to prosthetic limbs that work based on your thoughts. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. By changing how we think about how the brain operates the body, Dr. Andrew Schwartz may have cracked the code on controlling artificial limbs with very natural control and precision. 
A typical prosthetic arm is controlled by whatever muscles and nerve pathways the patient can still use. By flexing living muscles in the shoulder, the user can activate sensitive switches in a powered arm and hand. That's a tough process to master, retraining another set of muscles to do an unrelated job, and it can't help someone with more profound nerve damage or spinal injuries. Dr. Schwartz and a team at Johns Hopkins are pioneering a better method for limb control by tapping directly into the brain with a grid of 192 cranial probes that read the shape of a motor control impulse. Think about grabbing a cup. A computer sees the characteristic impulse and translates that thought into smooth arm motions. The paralyzed test patient was able to high-five her doctors within a day of being connected, and her progress has been incredibly rapid since. Brain control may someday become routine for physical rehabilitation, using limbs driven directly by thoughts. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email support at byu.edu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're talking about your mind and uh, how your mind plays some tricks on you. And some of them we, re- we, you know, we recognize, obviously, guilt. And guilt, you know, can serve a purpose, and then it goes too far. And worry, hey, boy, I hope my kids get home. Oh, they got home. Now I can let it go. And then fear. Now, our very own Bryce Tobin, um, you know, fear is good because it might keep you from doing something silly, like, I don't know, playing with a moose. But... Our very own Bryce Tobin, um, he's kind of found that there's a healthy side to fear. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. When a lion roars in the jungle, is it scary? No, it's just noise. But when we're there and we can hear it, suddenly it's scary. This illustrates that fear is only a thought that we create. It's in us, not in the roar. Also, can we drop the whole lion and jungle thing? They live in the African savanna or the dry scrub forest of India, both of which are hardly a jungle. Now that I got that out of the way, the point is, fear may be in us, but fear can be useful. All right, story time. When I woke up Saturday morning, I did not think to myself, you know what I want to do today? Today, I want to fight a moose. But before we get into that, allow me to set the scene for you. An old buddy of mine just finished another lap around the sun, and we were all going to get together to have a little birthday shindig up in the mountains where we could make a fire, grill some meat, and be noisy without bothering anyone else. I'm also the guy with an SUV, so I almost get a default invite whenever we head into the mountains, because I can drive just about anywhere and transport things like 50 pounds of wood without it being an issue. The other side of that default invite is that I usually get conscripted to help out with a bunch of stuff. I don't really mind. We get there and we found a nice secluded spot. We used one of the trash cans to take all the wood into the wilderness in one trip instead of 20. The food's cooking. We have a stream nearby that's pleasant without being noisy. It's not all that cold. Things are pretty good. But this is my life we're talking about. And I've noticed a pattern. Anytime things are going well for more than an hour, brace yourself. Ridiculous irony is soon to strike. So the charcoal's finally burning, we finish the hot dogs, and now the burgers are cooking, and then 70 feet away, a moose emerges from the brush. Oh, come on, seriously? Of all the things in the state of Utah that could hop out of the forest to say hello and kill me, I get a moose. 
I mean, there's lots of deer, but they don't really mess with people. There's coyotes, but unless there were 300 of them, I wouldn't be all that worried. There's wolves, but they would need to be in a big pack to be problematic. A mountain lion could kill me, but they don't really like messing with groups. There's black bears. They're kind of a gamble. They prefer not to mess with things that look bigger than them, and at least two of us in the group were big enough to make them think twice. And besides, I could outrun everyone there, so unless the bear snagged me first, I'd be good. But of all the choices, there's one animal that doesn't care how big I am, doesn't care how big the group is, and if it wants to, it will wreck face until it feels like it's done. An animal that is known to charge trains, and get this, they don't always lose. Thanks to the ridiculous irony that rules my life, right before I get to eat some nice tasty fire-grilled burger, a moose shows up. So I see the moose and I go into situation analysis mode. It's springtime. The moose is probably well-fed, so it has plenty of energy for a murder fest. It's a female moose, so at least it isn't a bull with an attitude, but she's easily one of the healthiest-looking moose I've ever seen, probably somewhere north of 900 pounds. But my relief about it not being a 1,300-pound male is soon extinguished as I realize it's also May, which is when baby moose arrive, which could be adorable, except that with a baby, mama moose have a scorched-earth policy when it comes to dealing with other living organisms. They can only be sure the baby is safe if absolutely everything is totally dead. Doesn't take me long to notice there's no baby, and it probably knows we're there because we weren't being particularly quiet, and it seemed to have a destination in mind. So after the initial alert, I thought we were in the clear. Then my idiot friends see it, and what do they do? Do they stand still? Do they avoid eye contact? Do they stop making noise? No, they do none of that. Not only do they start making more noise, they start moving toward it, and they start taking flash photography. They might as well have just walked into the forest yelling for anything with ears, please kill me painfully, over and over again. I don't know why they did this. Did they forget how easy they are to kill? You see, I have a rule. If an animal is more than half my weight, I don't mess with it. Humans live easy lives, and we're bad at killing things when we don't have a gun. Animals often have to fight for their lives they're pretty good at it. Also, they don't understand how or why to hold back, so they go all out every time. That's why I don't mess with them unless I know I have a chance. My idiot friends do not have this rule. They also lack a healthy sense of fear. Maybe it's because of their cushy lives. Maybe it was the Discovery Channel making animals look majestic while ignoring their vile, disgusting, unethical, and opportunistic behaviors. Maybe it was all the kids shows they watched with the wise talking moose that definitely didn't murder anyone. But I knew what that moose was capable of. I've been on the internet. I've seen things that can't be unseen. I know that moose may or may not decide to do a false charge. It's a gamble. Except instead of betting money, you're betting the structure integrity of your bones and with this gamble you're betting it all thankfully the moose just kept trotting along to go take care of some moose business somewhere else even still it was quite the adrenaline rush and then everyone started getting on my case like i was the one overreacting frankly i underreacted the appropriate reaction would have been to run to my car drive to the airport and then once i was in the air i could know for sure that i was safe from a moose attack moral of the story i have friends that are going to end up dying stupid deaths they were clueless but fearless unlike me but maybe that ruined a majestic moment that i could have just ignorantly enjoyed all right i'm out and remember don't forget to be awesome this moose impacted you. I understand what a moose can do. <laughs> I love that. Your friends are messed up. You know what? They're going to moosey. end up in the newspaper, and yeah. most people would grieve, or yeah. they would eat grief bacon. Grief I wouldn't, bacon. I'm going to laugh, and I'm going to get on with my life, because they're going to do something dumb. Yeah, and we're going to see a video of you like in the search party. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, the bear was here, and then it just carried Larry away. It's just This is where I last saw him, guys. <laughs> He was also trying to hug the bear, so I don't know what Here, happened. Bear. Hey, you guys, get a picture of me for Instagram put, with the I'm bear. I'm going to put my arm. I'm going to try and ride this moose. That is no, messed up. But you know what I love about that is um, our guest coming up, Craig Manning, wrote a book called The Fearless Mind. But see, it's not the stupid mind. 
So your friends had a kind of like a stupid mind thing going. You got to have a little fear. Yours was good fear. I think so. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. It's kept me alive. But I also think you're on to something. I think Rocky and Bullwinkle, the moose and squirrel. Has gotten kids too familiar. I think it messed people up. Maybe think, oh. Yogi Bear, too. Right? Yeah. They're not that. Not Winnie the Pooh. Good call. Pooh Bear, are you kidding me? Right. Eeyore, a donkey? Come on. Yeah, stay away from those guys. Don't mess with a donkey. I think I think if the animal can kill you, it shouldn't be allowed to like, talk and be in <laughs> I like your half show. the weight thing. If the donkey weighs half your weight or the animal weighs half your weight, stay away from it. That's a great yeah, rule. That's a, I think that's a safe rule. That's a great rule. That might even be a good dating rule at times, too. The half your weight rule. <laughs> no, nah, maybe not. That doesn't work. Hmm. Fearless mind. We got the man to talk about it. This is going to be a great show. Craig Manning's coming on. He's going to show us when you know fear helps and when you just need to learn to let it go. Even more importantly, he's going to teach us how to let it go to increase our performance. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. World News. Uru Kenyatta was sworn in as Kenya's fourth president. Secretary of State John Kerry is meeting in London today. It's the latest threat North Korea's leaders have made. U.S. leaders are offering aid. You get sound bites from the news, but with notes from the Kennedy Center, you can join diplomats and scholars as they go deeper into the affairs of the world. Notes from the Kennedy Center airs weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. During a critical national security address today, President Obama outlined plans to scale back overseas drone strikes, but also admitted the program has killed American citizens. He also assured the weapons will not be used unless there is near certainty no civilians will be harmed. Experts predict it will cost $2 billion to rebuild more Oklahoma following a devastating tornado earlier this week. Over 13,000 buildings were damaged, including homes, schools, and hospitals. The ban on openly gay scouts in the Boy Scouts of America could be ended by a vote today. The ban has been in place for over 100 years, and numerous gay rights and conservative groups are lobbying leaders who are voting on the decision. Pro-gun groups in Connecticut announced today they are suing the state over a strict gun control measure passed in April. The suit claims the new law violates the Second Amendment and does nothing to protect against gun crime. With growing concern over sexual crimes in the nation's military, lawmakers introduced new legislation today which will require anyone in the armed forces convicted of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault to be dishonorably discharged. In world news, British police have arrested two more men who may be connected to the vicious attack on a British soldier yesterday. The attack is believed to be motivated by revenge over wars in Muslim countries. Riots in Sweden continued into a fourth day today. Groups of mainly 20-somethings continued to smash windows and burn cars while police upped their response. The demonstrations seem to be motivated by anger over increasing police brutality. An 80-year-old Japanese man has successfully reached the summit of Mount Everest to become the oldest man to ever make the climb. Upon reaching the summit, he said there is no greater feeling. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, here with Dr. Craig Manning. Really, Craig is one of my heroes. Uh, A, his accent is incredible. But uh, more importantly, he just he knows his stuff. And when you find somebody that is like a sports psychologist that can help people improve their performance, that can kind of help them get through some of these uh, the hiccups that we get caught up in, um, really, it's a powerful thing. Now, let me give you a little background on our guest, Craig Manning. He coached Heather McPhee on her meteoric climb to the rank of number two in freestyle mogul. Uh, skiing in the world. He played tennis at both the collegiate and professional levels. He's advised professional athletes in baseball, tennis, track and field, and dance. Hey, I didn't know you did the dance thing. I'm a great dancer, by the way, Craig. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. Um, He's consulted with the U.S. Olympic ski team. He's coached the BYU women's tennis team. And in fact, at BYU, when he was coaching the women's tennis team, he won seven Mountain West Conference titles which is a huge deal. He's also been honored as the Mountain West Conference Coach of the Year three award three times and has received the NCAA Regional Coach of the Year Award in 2005. You're the real deal, <laughs> Craig. And by the way, author of the book, The Fearless Mind. Yeah. You know, one thing that uh, I know I'm a sports psych by education, I like to consider myself a coach. Yeah, performance coach, right? Yeah, I just think coaching is where you're making a difference in people's lives. You're not just teaching them and moving on. It's yeah. not just an information dump. You're really there helping them to acquire the skill. Yeah, you know? to get out of the funk. Yeah. Because a lot of them get stuck in that pattern. I guess it's a thinking pattern. Yeah, yeah. We're constantly trying to help them to create the right muscle memory, the yeah. right mental muscle memory, so that uh, they take more control of their lives and head in the directions they want to go. Well, and who wouldn't need that? <laughs> I mean, it really, that's, yeah. that's life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. Are but you... it, it's everything, isn't it? It's our fear. It's, we talked about fear and guilt at the beginning of the show. Yeah. But those things, they, I guess they're there to help you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, do they just wear out their welcome and they just kind of keep you stuck or what? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it comes down to moderation. We do need some anxiety. We need yeah. to control it. Um, there is some guilt that we need to know we made a mistake, but the problem is we don't want to dwell on that. We don't right. want to sit there. We got to move. We got to keep moving. Why don't we? I mean, why? What stops us? Like, I mean, I just imagine in all these athletes you've coached, there had to have been. You want a little anxiety in them. You don't want them to just approach a game like it's whatever. Uh-huh. You want a little tension in them. But um, what's the difference between those that like kind of can just dissipate it and get on and those that get stuck in it and have the the rotation. You know, some of the what we've found really successful is we need to set goals and expectations a little beyond our reach. When we do that, it creates a small gap to let us know that this is important, but it's not overwhelming us to where it interferes with our performance. Uh, same with guilt. It's it's so interesting. So many people feel like life is crazy. It's so fast paced mm-hmm. that I'm just so busy. Right. Actually, life moves at a steady pace. Life is linear. It's not fast. It just keeps pushing forward all the time. Yeah. But what happens to so many athletes and people is they want that result. They want to win. They want to win now. And so they're thinking so far ahead, it creates that gap. And that gap is where fear and anxiety come in and interfere with our performance. So we want a little bit, but we don't want to create a big one. So to answer your question, the best, the healthiest, the happiest, the highest performing human beings, not just athletes, they do such a good job 
of setting goals and expectations a little bit out there. Yeah. Within a little reach. stretch, but a with stretch it's them, within but the reach, them. but it's yeah. not. But so, you, what'd you call it? Stretch. You, you want to stretch yourself, but not stress yourself. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. there's the line, isn't it? <laughs> like I'm so stressed, but yeah, and and, it, and some of this is just. It seems like we live in a world where there's more opportunity than ever uh-huh. to do anything you want, right. and we and we are even being told that more than we ever have. Yeah. Yep. And then we just – but we don't probably either set the goal or we set goals that are just stressors. We set goals so far out there that all of this anxiety comes in and it it in, it stops us from being able to focus on what we need to do to be able to achieve that performance. I, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not an expert there. But Me either. <laughs> just so you know. I know you guys have been talking about this. But what happens so often when that gap is created, we try to fill that gap with stuff. Yeah. And food is one of them well, that we chemicals. fill it with. Right. That's a chemical. Right. So we fill it with stuff, yeah. and that creates even more anxiety. Um, I've done a little bit of training with some athletes to help them get in better shape, and it's amazing how the biggest mistake they're making is they're setting goals so far out there, yeah. it's undermining what they're doing. As we bring those goals down to a, you know, a little beyond their reach to where they're motivated to take action, mm-hmm. we can see massive uh, improvement in weight loss as they focus on the things they need to focus on. I guess is it is because it um, you, your body knows what you can do. Right. And like if you set too <laughs> audacious of a goal, right. you're not even in the – like if somebody just said, I want to be Oprah. Right. Okay. Uh, what do you do right now? See, that that goal is so far out there. Yeah. It's, it's out a pie in the sky. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything because it's not tangible. So we don't take any actions to go there. And your brain knows that. So it, sometimes we might even set the audacious goal right. so as not to ever be accountable to it. Yeah, exactly. Is that, exactly. That's a trick. Our brain's messed up that way. It's interesting. I, I was listening to your show before I came in. It's you're, You guys are exactly right. Fear and guilt are not real. They don't exist yeah, in reality. Yeah, talk about that. Because they sure feel real, Craig. They sure feel real. That's right. But they're not real. They, they live in our mind. It exists in our mind. We create fear and guilt, um, and that interferes with what we're doing every day. So, yeah. I, I mean, this guilt concept is Ugh. interesting. Um you know, and, and I know this is a pretty traumatic thing, but the whole situation there in Ohio, in yeah. Cleveland, with this guy that had those three girls locked up yeah, for a horrible. decade. And so, and I, and I don't want to focus on the travesty of that, but what I would like to focus on is the amazing strength of character yeah. of this girl to keep trying after 10 years. Yeah, who wouldn't have given up by now? And just, exactly. I guess I'm just here. And I've given up, like the guilt. But it's so interesting, as life moves forward, we, when we make a mistake, we tend to stop. Mentally, we stop and we focus on that mistake, yeah. and life keeps moving forward, and we create that space. And there's that's where guilt comes from. Okay, to fill the space. Yeah, guilt comes in there, and that's where that space. Guilt originates from the past. Life keeps moving forward. When we make a mistake, we focus on the mistake. We we dwell on the mistake, yeah, and thereby reinforce the mistake, yeah, and beating ourselves up, yeah. Whereas the best, the healthiest, happiest, highest performance. They make a mistake and they keep pushing forward. They keep focusing on what they need to do, not what they did yeah. wrong, yeah. what they need to do 
thus creating the right muscle memory. And you could focus on fixing your guilt. So let's say you've done something to hurt someone. Right. You can just stew in the guilt, right. which creates a gap between reality, the present day and moment, mm-hmm. and your past, right. which a lot of people do. Like uh-huh. I had a client in my office today that had gone through a really horrendous divorce, mm. and she had some guilt, mm-hmm. but it it doesn't even make sense with her reality because – the guilt she feels isn't even aligned to how messed up her her husband's been messing her over for six years right. in the divorce, and you're like, you feel guilty, but you're not. A, it's, it's so interesting as victims. Why do they feel guilty? Yeah. But it happens every time. Like, like. Just listen to the story you're telling. Is that he's horrible, <laughs> but you still feel you're so yeah. you're using the story from back then. But the gap gets so big, doesn't it? That gap keeps us from progressing. But I guess you're saying too, if we work on the guilt. So yeah, what I'm saying. Jump in, on the guilt. In, in particular, with athletes, they make a mistake yeah. and they focus, or even their coaches have trained them. They focus on the mistake. Oh yeah. And life keeps moving ahead, and they're focusing on the error. And now they, they they're beating themselves up, and they're just weighed down. Yeah. They stop moving, yeah. and they're just consumed with that mistake instead of missed the shot. I did something wrong here. What do I need to do better? And keep moving with yeah. life. That's that is true, huh? Because the athlete, it's almost, and you've I think mentioned this before. Your body knows what to do, right? And so you got to get out of the way to ad- allow the muscle uh-huh. memory address to kick in. the issue uh-huh. and let your body heal. I believe the spirit's the same way. So if if you've done something that's that makes you feel guilty, mm-hmm. address it. Yep. Go deal with it. I mean, go address the issue if you have to talk to somebody, whatever you have to do. But your spirit will heal it, and you can move on and keep going. You don't need to just keep stewing. Yeah, and that's what I love. So when you make a mistake, figure out what you're going to do to overcome it and move forward with it. Now that new uh-huh. skill or commitment yeah. is a part of you, and you you don't need to keep looking back. The The horse is dead. Stop yeah. beating it. It's You learn from it <laughs> once and keep moving forward with that. Yeah. This has been profound. I'm working with this young teenager, fantastic athlete, and I don't have time to go to watch her matches because I'm too busy with everything else I'm doing these days. Um, but she keeps coming back, and I keep thinking, wait, you're this amazing talent. You have all this talent, but you're not getting the, prefo- yeah. the results you want. What's going on? And so we start doing some mental sessions, and, and I can tell she's beating herself up so much. Uh-huh. And so I was teaching her the skill of keep pressing forward. Every time you make a mistake, think about what are you going to do next time. So keep programming your mind what you will do, not what you did wrong, right. thereby conditioning the right muscle memory. Uh. Can you see how we yeah. unintentionally yeah. create the wrong muscle memory? That's right. And thereby we never break those old habits. And you're and leaning into the past, yeah, not now, the future. So now we're a slave to the past. That's brilliant. And that this really girl, is. This girl, i got to be honest. I did a couple of sessions with her. And then I can, I'm still trying to play. I know I'm getting old, but I'm Come still on, trying Craig, to play. Let it go, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I played with her on Monday and she kicked did my she trash. Did she school you? Oh, I love did. that. She's 16-year-old and she beat me. And uh, oh, the I tennis she was good. playing <laughs> – I, I thought she was playing amazing tennis because she was constantly moving ahead. I love that. So now I feel like she's free. She knows she's going to make mistakes, but she's not afraid of mistakes mm-hmm. anymore. Whereas before, she was living her life constantly afraid of when the next mistake was going to come. We demonize it, don't we? We demonize the mistake. We yeah. make people so afraid of making a mistake. We create such intensity when they blow absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I bet that's a yeah, – that really absolutely. is – and then what you're saying, though, is the guilt – is the bubble, I guess, between where they had the error, the fault, and the and where they are now. And then in the future, it's the fear, huh? So it's the fear that creates fear the bubble the future, on the yeah. other side. Yeah, some people beat themselves up and fall behind life, yeah. and that's where guilt. Others are so anxious, they race ahead of life and yeah. thereby create the fear and anxiety. And self-fulfill. Yes. 
whereas the healthiest, they seem to be able to stay with the pace of life. They stay in the moment. They learn from yeah. the mistake but keep moving forward. They, they're moving in the direction they want to go. Hence, this is where I think the phrase, the healthiest, happiest, highest performers love the journey of life. I love that. They stay with life, and it's the challenges that come with life are part of the fun, yeah. not something we're trying to avoid. Well, it's only in the pre- – that's where the energy is. Right. right. I mean that's where the – That's where reality is, That's where is, you're right? living, right? Yes. But isn't it funny? That's yeah. – is that our mind? Is that our – what is that that would um, – what would keep us held hostage? Mm-hmm. Like what is it that keeps us held hostage to the past and the future? See, I love that. I think – my belief is and – and a lot of the work I feel like I'm doing is I'm trying to help people get out of their heads yeah. and physically embrace life, enjoy the physical smell of roses, mm-hmm. enjoy the water, feel life, not always have to get so stuck in our heads where we're in bondage, we're held captive. Right. Um, and, and I think what it comes down to is learning mental skills. That's why I like yeah. – I'm the a coach. It's skill sets we got to learn. Yeah. We, it's not something we're born with. Uh, guilt and fear, I don't think we create it. It's not necessarily something we have to have. We need to learn skills to keep our mind and our emotions and our spirit channeled and directed right. in the right way. Right. And so I feel yeah. like it's skill development. We yeah. just uh, It's just knowing another way. I mean, your body, you kind of, it makes sense to have a little fear or a little guilt if your mom and dad just yelled at you when you were three. Right. But... Now that you're an adult, you don't need to use that script anymore. It's done. Now yeah. just be present and lean into the challenge. Yep. I love, love that. It. Lean forward. I love that. Lean that into the challenge. That is cool. Yeah. That's a really – you know what, Craig? I like you a lot. <laughs> you just, the thing about you that, you that you get it and you kind of take away all of our excuses. Like that, I think that's the sports side of you. That's, you either can serve the ball right now or you can't. Yeah. So you're either going to make this happen in this moment. Yeah. And I think just the way you coach is powerful. See, to me, and again, what you're saying there, it's the law of obedience. Yeah. Discipline. If you want to be healthy and happy, discipline yourself to do it. Take action today. Lean into it and make it happen. I love that. That is too cool. Okay, we're going to come back. Dr. Craig Manning, and really, go check out his website, uh, thefearlessmind.com. It's a killer book. It's such a good book that my 17-year-old son got it last year when it came out. Did it come out last year, Craig? Uh, a couple of years ago. And my 17-year-old son read it, loves it, wants to be a sports psychologist and grow up just like Craig Manning, except I bet I bet you he won't be as tall as you. Um, we're going to come back with Dr. Craig Manning. He's going to fill us in, give us some more tools to get your head in the game. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. A breakthrough invention in microcircuitry makes the ultimate bridge between light and electricity. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. As electronics keep shrinking, engineers look for ways to get more functions out of less space. More and more communication is being handled by fiber optics because light handles much more bandwidth than electrons. But there's always been a traffic jam where electrons and light have to meet and exchange their information. Engineers at Caltech created a new light-focusing device that fits a microchip and can do a number of things that could change not just communication, but medicine and computing as well. 
Built of tapering layers of gold and silicon, the Plasmon Waveguide can focus photons in three dimensions down to a point just a few nanometers across, with more than double the efficiency of current devices. How it does the job is to get electrons in the gold layer to oscillate in step with the incoming photons in the silicon, like getting an audience to clap in time to the musician on stage. This effect can also run in the other direction, letting electrons transfer information into photons. The waveguide could double the capacity of future magnetic hard drives and make a super high-resolution optical microscope. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. And what a song. Every time it was recorded, it stopped my world for a while. Ron Simpson is passionate about music and knows a good song when he hears one. I'm plenty old enough to realize this is something new, something pretty cool, something important. Join him as he takes a closer look into the songs and musicians he knows and loves. Trying to analyze the chords and figure out why the song communicates such an incredible mood. The Tantara Hour, weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We're back here with Dr. Craig Manning, and he probably hates me to call him doctor, but he earned the doctorate, so I'm going to give it to him. Um, Dr. Craig Manning is the author of TheFearlessMind.com. He wrote the book, The Fearless Mind Book, um, but The Fearless Mind is the name of the book. Great book. The coolest thing about it, I think, as you're hearing, it kind of takes away the stigma. The, there's a little mysticism to why we don't produce. Hmm. Don't you think? And I, I always yeah. have somebody like, um, so, so what do you think's going on? Why, why do you think you're struggling? And almost all of them say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And in your head, you're like, you know, let yeah. me show you. And when you start pushing on certain things, they, they know. Yeah, I love that. That's kind of what's going on in the black box. Yeah. Can we understand the black box. Um, do you mind? Can I answer yeah. that for a minute? Do it. This is really what I wrote my book about is, you know, I was doing my dissertation on focus, on attentional control. And to do that, I had to go up the food chain to anxiety because anxiety has a linear relationship on concentration. Oh, I bet it does, yeah. And then I had to go up even further on the food chain to what affects anxiety, which was motivation. Mm. So I, through doing this and, and doing my dissertation, what was revealed was when we motivated the right way, when we set the right goals, there's a linear, a direct relationship with anxiety. When we ha- so we set the right goals, anxiety comes down. Right. Now we're able to focus on what we want to focus on. We see the world as opportunity instead of a threat. That's powerful. So as we focus on the right things, now as we see the things what we can do, confidence goes up. So that's a, there's a direct relationship Interesting. from focus yeah. to com- confidence. And then finally from confidence, as confidence goes up, now there's a direct relationship to decision making. Where is the app where we choose to take action? And then as that happens, it just funnels right back around to motivation. It just keeps getting better and yeah. better. So this is the science behind practice does not make perfect. Right. Explain that, a coach. Yeah. Who? How many times <laughs> have I seen my kids that are practice and I'm like, this isn't helping. Yeah. Yeah. No, practice makes permanent. Yeah. We've, we've got to make sure we're conditioning the right habits. So the opposite's true. If you don't set goals or you set the wrong goals, as we've talked about, right. anxiety goes shooting up. Yeah. It's a physiological reaction. Yeah. When anxiety goes up, concentration is all over the place. Right Now we're focusing on what not to do. Confidence comes down and we make bad, impulsive, irrational, or we make 
uh, extreme decisions, Mm -hmm. which then funnels back around to motivation. It continues to get worse. So once you get on that negative cycle, more practice is only going to make you worse. It won't make you better. We've Huge. got to practice yeah. the right way. On all levels. Get the motivation. Because a yeah. lot of us are trying to be – we talked about this yesterday on our show. Um, a lot of us are being motivated by our parents' vision. Right. Not our vision. So oh, yeah. we don't even buy into their vision, but they want us to go to school. <laughs> they want us to get a degree. They want us to be a lawyer. Right. The woman on the show yesterday was a lawyer that went and practiced law, quit law, went and got a master's degree in positive psychology, and now mm. teaches positive psychology to everyone. Love it. Now, <laughs> Love it's an expensive it. detour. Yeah, it is. But part of it is, so the part of the key to the motivation is it's got to be yours. Yep. You know, it's got to be part of you in order, I guess, to, otherwise, it will induce anxiety, it seems like, because yeah, I'm living someone your, else's dream. Yeah, if you're not, if you're not having, owning your own thoughts, anxiety goes up. Mm. There's a professor here at BYU that challenges his students every year. He says, you don't want to die with somebody else's music in your ears. Mm. I love that. That's so To great. me, that yeah. you've got to create your own life because yeah. if you don't create your own life, you're not going to have the, the enjoyment, the fulfillment through this course. You're not going to pay attention to detail. You're not going to put the work in. And you're going to end up living a life of mediocrity. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. But you've got to that's, – that's where the anxiety comes in is so many people exactly. are too afraid to, follow to their risk dreams. their own dream. Yeah, yeah we got to do what we love. If you do what you love, your attention is better. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on the right things and the journey – yeah. You're enjoying the journey of life. But what if it doesn't make enough money, Craig? Right. I love that. <laughs> so that's where the we guys go. gotta eat. I know. That's where, you know, if we're in a job or in a career, there still is there's still ways that you can learn to love. There's parts of your job that you can learn to love yeah. if you uh, are focusing on the right things. And worst case scenario, do your job to pay the bills and have your hobby of what you love on the side. Right. Um, well, and then interestingly, that'll probably grow. Right. Whatever you're loving and and in energized around, you're going to end up spending your energy on. You're going right. to end up wanting more of it. It'll grow. It'll grow. In. Your reputation will grow. I'd love to believe that if you focus on your passion, you know, I I mean, for me, sports yeah. psych, um, when I first went into the doing my PhD, there was no job at the end of the road. No, right. There's no job. And here I, I could have done my MBA and have guaranteed job security. I was already coaching, making pretty good money yeah. here at BYU. But I still wanted to chase my dream, even though I knew four or five years, there's still no job at the end. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I truly believe. I had a professor here my freshman year, econ, funny enough. Ooh, he said, 8 o'clock in the morning class, it was brutal. <laughs> he said, if you follow your bliss, doors will open that you never would have imagined. Mm. I believe that. If it's you totally follow true. your passion, things will happen and yeah. it will just work out. Well, and everyone can see it. I mean, mm-hmm. go walk into – I did a speech today for a, um, a credit union, and you walk in there. And interestingly, it was the most impassioned group of huh. you know, frontline credit union workers I've right. ever seen. They were so excited and jazzed. But I've walked into other places that you're, you're like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, I just spoke to the Funeral Directors Association <laughs> yeah. of Utah, and they had a ton of energy, and they were positive. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking them, how can you guys be so positive? And they're it. like, I lo- we love what we do. Yeah. We're right there yeah, doing so what we're funny. supposed to be doing. There was it's- one company brought me and wants to do some sales training. And the sales manager's like, we're skill deficient. We need skills. We need sales skills. And so they brought him in. I'm standing in the conference room, and they brought their sales team in. I swear. It was the Dementors from Hogwarts were walking <laughs> in the room. Dun, 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 yeah. dun. Just I mean, they just suck the uh. energy out of you. And I said, guys, 
we got to get our energy right first. No one's going to buy from you guys with this sort of energy. Um, yeah, you got to love what you do so you yeah, have that totally. passion, that energy. And you can see it. Like go to a used car lot and find yeah. somebody that's just trying to fill a gap in yeah. their financial right. budget. And you can tell they're not in. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And I guess you would think like, that's you're saying then is the key. That's the motivation. motivation. Once the motivation's right, the anxiety can kind of be regulated by the fact that you have – you have a purpose. You have you have other things that you can use to kind of manage the anxiety, the tension. You, you have purpose. You have a sense of direction now. So you're moving in that direction. Mm. So you're, you, you have purpose. You have commitment. You have positive energy yeah. occupying your mind. And that just that weeds out the anxiety. It weeds out the fear and the doubt. There's right. no room for the fear and the doubt because you're occupying your mind with that. Here's an analogy, if it's if it's all right. Yeah. Um, we had tons of rain here two years yeah. ago, if you remember. Yeah. It was middle of June before we finally got outside. My wife loves to do landscape. She's brilliant outside. Um, we go outside. We're standing there, and there's there's dandelions literally to my waist. <laughs> and for guys out there, that's a weed, right? Uh, so, that's right. Um, I pull down and pull this weed. She kind of snaps at me. She's kind of like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm pulling weeds. And she said, no, no, no. That's not how you get rid of the weeds. Every time you pull a weed, there's 10 seeds that fall and occupy the soil and grow back 10 times worse, which represents the fear and the doubt, oh, right? Oh, wow, yeah. She said, what we're going to do instead is we're going to aerate the soil and we're going to water and fertilize the grass so the roots of the grass grow down deep and rich and occupy the space mm. and squeeze the weeds out. When she said that to me, I'm like, that, that <laughs> is what I do every day. Yeah. That is profound. Let's focus on the skills. As we acquire the right skills, it squeezes out the anxiety and the fear. And there's no room for it now yeah. because we're, we're taking care of our own grass. We want our grass to be thick and rich and lush. We don't care about the grass being right. green on the other side of the fence when we take care of our own life. Isn't that great? And that happens only if we know what we love and what right. we're doing. What's not, our goal, grass or weeds? Right. So we're not living our parents' dream. Mm-hmm. We're living our own dream. We'll be passionate. We'll work hard. We're wanting to put the time in because it's ours. Yeah. It's not somebody else's. I'm mad at my mom because she used to make me <laughs> weed. And here I was just making more weeds. That woman. I'm going to yeah. get her. But it's interesting. I love, the, um, I love the metaphor of focusing on what you want and being clear about what we're trying to grow here. When people come and argue in my office, they're always arguing about what they don't want. Right. And you're sitting there thinking, shut it. Because yep. if you keep talking about what you don't uh, want, well, yeah, none exactly. of us know what we want. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that We got to stay focused on what we do want. Yeah. yeah that's the only way. And it? it sounds simplistic, but it's profound. That, is, that one idea is profound. Uh-huh. Just focus on what you want. Not just focus, but work. Gather the skills uh-huh. to make what you really want happen. Yeah, it, it's profound because the world is constantly pulling you in the direction of what not to do, what you're doing wrong. Right. We got to stay focused on solutions. We got to stay focused on what we what we want to do. Uh, we we call it a can-do mindset. Stay focused on what you can do, not what you can't do. Yeah. You could make a list of everything you can't do. Yeah. The, and the funny thing about it is it's a big list. Like if any of us really ending. thought it through, how uh-huh. how much I mean, we always joke on the show about how much confidence we all have, mm-hmm. considering how little control we really all have. Right. There's so many things <laughs> in this life that yeah. we have no control over. That's so true. But there's there's the few things we do, and when we occupy, you're saying when we occupy our energy there, mm-hmm. our confidence grows, yep. our anxiety shrinks. We have that sense of control, and that's what anxiety is all about. That's right. When you have control, anxiety comes down. Man, Craig Manning, K. 
we're going to come back to uh, Dr. Craig Manning. You got to go get his book, The Fearless Mind. Uh, go to thefearlessmind.com. You can read all of his stuff on his website. Also, um, videos. He's got a couple of videos you can watch. For, well, I mean, you probably have more than that. Just tons of stuff to read there as well. But get the book, The Fearless Mind. It'll change your life like it's changing my son. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Dr. Craig Manning right after this break on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Listen to BYU Radio to color your world. Eric Dowdle is a renowned artist who paints pictures about unique cultures and locales every weeknight on BYU Radio. On Traveling with Eric Dowdle, you'll discover hidden gems through the eyes of locals, including the kinds of things you just can't miss. Listen to Traveling with Eric Dowdle weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Another great BYU radio program to color your world. Find it on Sirius XM Channel 143. BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. During a critical national security address today, President Obama outlined plans to scale back overseas drone strikes, but also admitted the program has killed American citizens. He also assured the weapons will not be used unless there is near certainty no civilians will be harmed. Experts predict it will cost $2 billion to rebuild more Oklahoma following a devastating tornado earlier this week. Over 13,000 buildings were damaged, including homes, schools, and hospitals. Over 1,400 delegates are voting today on a proposal to end the century-old ban on gay scouts in the Boy Scouts of America. Several gay rights and conservative groups are lobbying the delegates from both sides of the issues. Pro-gun groups in Connecticut announced today they are suing the state over a strict gun control measure passed in April. The suit claims the new laws violate the Second Amendment and do nothing to protect against gun crime. With growing concern over sexual crimes in the nation's military, lawmakers introduced new legislation today which will require anyone in the armed forces convicted of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault to be dishonorably discharged. In world news, British police have arrested two more men who may be connected to the vicious attack on a British soldier yesterday. The attack is believed to be motivated by revenge over wars in Muslim countries. Riots in Sweden continued into a fourth day today. Groups of mainly 20-somethings continued to smash windows and burn cars while police upped their response. The demonstrations are motivated by anger over increased police brutality. And at 80 years old, a Japanese man has become the oldest person to ever scale Mount Everest. Upon reaching the summit, he remarked on both how great he felt and how he has never been more tired. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking to Dr. Craig Manning. you got to check out his website, thefearlessmind.com, and um, really knows his stuff. Let's uh, let you a little bit know a little bit more about him. He's consulted with the Olympic team, U.S. Olympic ski team, coached uh, the BYU women's tennis team. That is a pretty big deal. Seven Mountain West Conference titles. Yeah, it was fun. We had some great teams. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I bet those are good memories. Do you still, you still, you know, help? 
teams and co- you're still here at the at BYU helping as well, right? Yeah, I still work with uh, put in about five hours a week here, working with uh, pretty much an athlete from every team at Are some really? point. Yeah, working That's great. with yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, sports is the metaphor of life, really, mm-hmm. and. So, so that's why it seems like you're not just <laughs> pegged to go be the sports guy. Um, okay, so Craig, tell us some more. As, as we're sitting here, if somebody's out there listening and they they seem to like get really caught up in like guilt, hmm. they're stuck, we're saying generally, you're stuck in that gap between whatever happened mm-hmm. and the present. Right. What are some things – one thing, I guess, is to find your motivation. What are some things to do to get out of the gap? If they're feeling guilt or too much fear about the future, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of the processes? What are the skills you'd kind of suggest we start doing? The biggest one for guilt is rather than focusing on what you did wrong, is focusing on what you're doing better. The improvement. Cre- creating the muscle memory, yeah. Creating the muscle memory in your mind when you make a mistake to – Focus on next time I'm going to do this. Yeah. Because if all you do is focus on the mistake, that's what's being reinforced in right. your subconscious. Yeah. Um, every time we make a mistake, next time I'm going to do this, next time I'm going to do that. Um, as we do that, that's what becomes the new behavior. Yeah. And so we move away from that past one and we're moving forward, right. better adapted to, to cope with life, ready to deal with the challenges. With fear, because we're ahead of life there, Fear, the big one there is pulling ourselves back to, so we're feeling that anxiety. We're feeling really uptight. Come back to, what can I do now? That can-do mindset brings you back to the present and closes that gap. So both these skills, guilt is in the past. When you focus on, next time I'm going to do this, that brings you back to the present and closes the gap. Um, When you're racing ahead of life and you have that anxiety, that fear, focusing on what can I do now brings you back to the moment and closes the gap. And both of them are action-oriented. Action-oriented. Solution-oriented. Yep. Yep. So you're you're kind of – I guess that's when you keep saying muscle memory. It makes sense in sports – how how should I swing the bat? Yep. Or how could I get rid of this fear right now? What could I do to focus right now and be present? That I guess would bring me back. What um, what does muscle memory look like in work or in a fight with your spouse? Yeah, it's so interesting. We got to think of the mind. The mind is space, and ten percent of the mind is the conscious mind, mm-hmm. but ninety percent is the subconscious. It's the whole iceberg analogy. Yeah, right. 10% above, 90% below. So 10% we're actually thinking words, thoughts. Right. 90% It's been conditioned. Biochemistry, history. It's conditioned through our experiences through life. And if we are unintentionally conditioning the wrong habits, practice makes permanent, that's what comes out when we're stressed under pressure because the 90% will override the 10% when we got high anxiety every time. So we need to make sure we're conditioning the right habits. Yeah. That's why practice makes permanent. Um, if we condition the right habits under pressure in a fight, uh, in some situation, we say the things we want to say. We respond the right way. Um, you know, example the other day, my daughter, who has been told several times to do her gymnastic flips outside. Um, <laughs> outside the house. <laughs> yeah. It's in the living room, and she's flipping across the room. And I walk in the room right as she comes down and smacks her feet on this wood anti- antique Ouch. wood chair we have. Oh, wow. She turns and looks and just – I wanted – I've been conditioning myself to that first reaction to be not, I told you so, yeah. and get after her and yeah, condition yeah. that that guilt – 
I've been trying to condition myself to when they make a mistake to first react with kindness. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you all right? And and that yeah. unconditional love mm-hmm. being occupied in the subconscious, not the guilt in the subconscious. But having the solution so worked through in your head. I mean, that's what you're trying to do is think about it enough and as an anticipation mm-hmm. and in and in I guess reflection. Right. So you can do this in anticipation of what you should do, or you can do it in reflection of what you, sh- I guess you should have done. Right. Does that make sense? Um, yes. But, but you're thinking, just keep drilling the concept in your head. Act with love. Act with love. Be yep. caring. Be caring first. Constantly condition that can do, like we talked about in the middle section there. Constantly condition the habit of what we're going to do, not what mm. we did wrong. Yeah. Because that's what conditions the subconscious yeah. under pressure. That's the muscle memory that kicks in. That's where we're losing. That's where we're losing a lot of our energy is right. in focusing on what we what we're doing wrong. And that's we're where just that bleeding out there. That's that inner conflict that some of us have because consciously we know we better, but our subconscious being conditioned in such a negative yeah. way, it kicks in. Right. Um, we're driving through the drive-through, and we know we want to get off the Dr. Pepper. Right. Um, but the person comes on the radio and asks you what you want before <laughs> you even know it. The subconscious kicks in, yeah. and you're driving out with that Dr. Pepper in or your two. hand. That's yeah. right. One yeah. just in case. And you're like, wait, I thought I was trying to get off this yeah. stuff. But right. your subconscious kicks in, and you're doing it without even realizing. Isn't that interesting? And yeah. we, we sit here and we, yeah, well. But then it's funny because it's your subconscious doing it. Mm-hmm. And then yet, and then it's your subconscious that also makes you feel guilty. Right. So it not only is messing you over, it's making you feel guilty for messing you over. Yeah. Why? I guess to keep us in the one down. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it creates predictability. It wants your life predictable. You haven't died yet. Right. The lion didn't eat you. So right. this is working. Yeah. It's just, and your high brain's going, no, this is miserable. Yeah. It, it's just... I've I've seen people, when you take ownership of your mind, you make sure you're occupying your mind with the thoughts you want to have. That can do. When you are super aware of your body language and you take control of the controllable, you can condition your habits the way you want. Mm. And when you condition the subconscious and create the – that's how you create the life. That's how you get the grass thick thick and rich and lush. When you do that, you can create a life of abundance. You can create you can be who you've always dreamed on being and be you know f- i think there's a difference fearless still means being strategic and tactical to me right we don't want to be reckless right no we right. don't want to be running in front of mooses right. yeah you know? stay away from the moose <laughs> but but if we're strategic and tactical we can create the life and we can live and see life the way we want to see it from a healthy way what we're doing well not what we're doing wrong right isn't that it's it's self mastery Absolutely. You this is, this is just self-mastery. It is self-mastery. That's oh, it. Oh, I hate that. Yep. That's what's so hard, huh? Is yeah. that we kind of want it to be a pill, the easy, quick an fix. easy, quick fix. Somebody else is going to bring it to me or be able to blame my family, my history, my genetics, my yep, upbringing. Absolutely. You hit it. It's self-mastery. Look, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> it's where all wisdom and knowledge originates from, right? That's right. Kung yeah, Fu Panda. totally. That's what Kung Fu is all about. The physical is just a part of it, but it's really about the discipline of self, yeah. the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical discipline, learning to be who you want to be, the, that self-mastery, or as Abraham Maslow said, it, that self-actualization. Right. Yeah. That's, the, uh, that's the rub right there. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because this is the core to every religion. 
Right. This is the core to every major right. transcendent event on the history of this earth is self mastery. To thine own self be true. Yeah. Becoming like Christ is yeah. self mastery, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, think of like this. I mean, it's interesting. We're at a pretty powerful age where I think people are getting this idea. Mm-hmm. And so you see the influx of meditation and yoga mm-hmm. and all of these other kind of mm-hmm. transcendental things that are supposed to take us to this space. Right. By the way, each one of them demands mastery. Right. Well, it's also interesting, even the, the fitness craze, everyone's getting healthier. Right. That demands self-mastery. Right. But it also doesn't always – you might be doing it out of guilt. Mm. Or out of fear. So you might even be, that might or be the counterfeit, right? Yeah. So you're yeah. doing it to keep up with the Joneses, not right. to find peace. Not to do it because you love it, yeah. Not being comfortable in your own funny? skin. We I counterfeit too, don't we? We fill that space with a lot of stuff sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Is, this, um, is this where you're finding your passion? I mean, you could go do anything you want right now, Craig. You could go <laughs> coach again. You could probably go pick up any university coaching job, you know, within reason. And but you want to just go back and help people. You could go on the speaking circuit. You could write a ton more books. You really just – you get charged up when you just talk about your, 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 the people you're working with, these athletes that you're working with. They're just individuals. Yeah, it doesn't ha- – I mean I work, with, I work with athletics, but I work a lot in business and just uh, singer-songwriters back in Nashville, dances, ballroom dances. The thing I'm passionate about is just really helping people that self-mastery, yeah. helping them be the best they can be. Um, I'm just extremely passionate about it. Sports has become the modern-day religion, oh, you know, totally. especially outside of the state of Utah. People go to football games on Sunday yeah. instead of going to church. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm just, I'm just extremely passionate about helping people uh, maximize their potential, helping them get the most out of this journey of life. Uh, I'm trying to do it myself. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what, if, what if the average mom that's just driving home right now could eliminate the guilt mm-hmm. or the fear – Right or the dad who's afraid of changing his job, even though everything in his heart says I need to change my job, mm. and he's just too afraid to go make the change. What What do you say to those two? What do you What would you say to mom who's who's feeling guilty because again I didn't exercise and I ate two eclairs? Mm. Or what would you say to the dad or you know a guy that's out there that that feels that it's time to change and isn't changing a job or being a better dad mm. or yeah, good questions. The, f- to the mom, I would say keep pushing forward. Just don't look back. Keep pushing forward. Keep yeah. focusing on what you can do. Yeah. You can get there. You can get where you need to go. Um, having a couple of chocolate declares doesn't mean you're falling off the wagon altogether. Right, get no. back on as quick as you can. Um, to the dad, you know, trust your instincts. Trust this, your spirit deep down inside yeah. of you. Follow that. Don't look for the answers outside in the world. And don't try and fill your life with all sorts of stuff to fill that void. Trust deep down inside. The answers are inside, not outside yeah. in the world. Um, and, and again, that's why it's so important for us to condition that muscle memory the right way. Because if you don't, why would you trust yourself? Right. But trust deep down inside who you are, what you love. You do that. How can it be wrong? Right. You know? And it doesn't even have to be perfect. It just a little bit more trust uh-huh. in yourself. Right. A little bit more following the intuition, the feelings you're feeling. A little bit more of of not giving up and continually pressing forward. It just makes pressing forward tomorrow easily easier. Yeah. 
Makes it enjoyable. Absolutely, yeah. If we can get the mind out of the way at times yeah. so we can trust, like you said, the instincts, the spiritual and, um, instincts inside of us, I just we can't go wrong if we I, do that. I love your advice there on the outside because that's what we do as humans, huh? We, fi- we focus on these things. Mm-hmm. Like we focus on the eclair. Right. Or we focus on our hips like, oh, they're too big. Right. Or we focus on our job. But this, the self-mastery is not for that. Right. The self-mastery is for you. So it's – so if you can improve it a little bit today, right. it's not just about the things. You will be better tomorrow and be more apt and able to handle life, yep. things. Greatest sense of control. Anxiety comes down. Uh, I, I was listening earlier on the whole battle over food. Yeah, Food is just fuel for the body. Food doesn't have to be something that you do to celebrate. Right. It, it, it's just a substance. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Yeah. When you're full, stop eating. Yeah, well, that's self-mastery. <laughs> yeah, self-mastery. It's, but look at food in a different way. It's not the food. It's not the calorie count is disciplining your mind to look at it yeah. in a different, from a different perspective. That's why I love the idea that fear, it's, it's not real. It's just in your head. Yeah. I mean, it's really what you're feeling, but it's not even today. Yeah. Your fear of changing jobs is not today. It's not a reality. Yeah. It's not a reality today. It's a conjured concept and biochemical reaction i guess and who was it that said it you have nothing to fear except fear itself yeah that was a that was a general or something who was yeah, that i forgot <laughs> <laughs> we should read about more yeah absolutely so craig um as we're wrapping this up fear guilt worry they're good i mean mm-hmm. they're they're signs that are telling you something right but i guess that's the other key to this is if you have a lot of turbulence going on inside of you mm-hmm. It's probably telling you you're in one of the bubbles. Yep. The bubble behind, I don't know, you, you call it either guilt. I mean, you're somewhere in that gap. Yep. You're not in sync. Got to become one with yourself. Get comfortable in your own skin. Get back to the moments, and all of that stuff will just fall yeah. away. Okay, now here's a hard test for you, and you got about two minutes to answer it. Okay. Because um, what I love about talking to guys that spend their life teaching and talking mm-hmm. Is they're always learning. So, what's your biggest learning recently? Like, what's your big aha that, hmm? This pushing forward has been huge for me over, ever since the Ohio thing happened. I just want to celebrate, you know, the world is talking about the travesty of what these three yeah. went through. Yes, it was Ugh. bad. You know, and the Elizabeth Smart, which is very close to yeah. home for us, um, it, it comes back into our consciousness. Right. I want to celebrate the strength of character, the strength of the soul of the human being to be able to overcome stuff like that and still create a life of yeah. abundance. What Elizabeth Smart is doing, what this girl that had the strength to yell out and scream for help after 10 years, mm. that is mental toughness. Yeah. To keep pushing forward and never quit. I just I want to celebrate those out there that just continue to keep pushing forward and those that aren't put the put the mistakes behind keep moving forward yeah. solve your problems while you keep going don't think that you got to get everything perfect before you can do this or I've got to finish this before I can do that sorry it, it, there's always going to be something no Keep totally. moving forward while you solve the problems of life and don't ever stop I I love that I mean when you just think of the hurric- the hurricanes in New York, right. the um, the children massacred in Connecticut, exactly the yep. the explosion in Texas, Boston bombing, what just happened in Oklahoma City. Yes, I mean every one of these people are all pushing forward. Yep. You can go back and wish we had done more. We can go forward and feel fear about what tomorrow will bring, yep. or we just be present and push and push. Yeah, we we do. We want to live a life 
filled with love. Yeah. We don't want to live life motivated out of fear. Mm. We can't be afraid of what's going to happen next. Yeah. We need to keep pushing forward, uh, you know, bringing it back to athletics. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan, they always said you can never beat Michael Jordan. He just never stops coming after you. He's relentless. <laughs> he keeps trying to figure it out. Look where it took him. Oh, man. I love that mentality. And that's it. That's him leaning in, huh? Leaning He'd in. always be leaning yep. in on you. Always trying to figure oh, it out. Dr. Craig Manning. Okay, go check out his book, The Fearless Mind. It'll change your life and your kids. I have a son who wants to be a sports psychologist, except, you know, it's interesting. Even at 18, he's like, ah, but how do you get a job? And where do you get a job? And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. that's fear. That's fear. Yep. Read the book. Um, and then also go to his website, thefearlessmind.com. Craig, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. You're the best, my friend. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and take some of your viewer questions on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The power of crowdsourcing applied to exploring the red planet. Learn how to become a citizen scientist. This is Innovation Now. Bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Crowdsourcing is a process where like-minded folks get together over the Internet to support a particular activity on the principle that a few thousand heads are better than one to solve a problem. It's been applied to projects like searching for extraterrestrial life, folding proteins, and other scientific projects that need a lot of concentrated brain power on a budget. Now, a website called Fourth Planet needs your help exploring and mapping Mars. The Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter's high-resolution camera has taken millions of pictures, more than any one person can analyze in a lifetime. But over 56,000 volunteers are going over images of the Martian South Pole to mark and identify features that will help model planetary wind patterns and explain strange ground markings from geysers of carbon dioxide vapor. So far, volunteers have looked over and classified well over 3 million images. Volunteer sites like Planet4.org show that you can get personally involved in science, making useful contributions on a micro and macro level while having fun, too. Crowdsourcing projects deputize all of us into becoming citizen scientists, no matter what our day jobs are. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we've been talking about uh, un- you know unleashing your mind, getting your head in the game, getting rid of the guilt, the fear, the worry. And uh, we've got a, a viewer question, or not a viewer question, a web, an, an inner interweb question is what I'm calling the website or internet today. Um, it's it's from a it's from a guy Rob that is got a new girlfriend. Yeah, he's 24 years old, dating a girl about the same age, 25. Okay. Yeah, but it's a situation that I think that pops up a lot, especially for people who date uh, in their 30s and 40s as well. Yeah, you're dating a girl who are, has a child. In this case, his girlfriend has a two-year-old. Um, the father of the child, the, the ex there is kind of out of the picture, but there are still custody issues that are kind of up in the air. Uh, the, he says the mother provides a stable and loving situation for her daughter. And on his end, he, he's doing well financially. He has every intention, should it come to it, to 
fulfill the fatherly role in this child's life. Cool. His question is, how do you go about this? Because this is more than just typical dating. And yeah. even a regular dating, there's always circumstances where you're looking for advice to get along well with your spouse. But when you throw a two-year-old who isn't yours in the picture, right. I think it introduces Huge. some interesting okay. questions. Great, great question. First of all, super uh, – that is an awesome question simply because how many 24-year-old guys that are dating a woman with a child are going to actually go out proactively and anticipate what we need to ask and how and and try to be a better a better role model a better boyfriend to the mother of this of this person okay so kudos to you home run so far you're doing great second thing um don't mess with this little girl, this daughter is um, she if you're not here to play, then get out of the game because we kids don't need dads or men that are going to just keep coming in and out of their lives. OK, she's already got a father that way. So really own it up up front. Be very real and get committed. If, if you're going to be committed and it sounds like this guy totally is or he wouldn't be asking these questions, then um, here's what I would suggest you do. First thing, little girls, as they get older, they need male role models. So anybody out there in listener land, it doesn't matter if it's your child or not. Young women need men to look up to. And and men and dads, if you have kids, we need to pick up our game and, and do much more with them. Next, uh, the best thing I've ever found to teach and to create security for a two-year-old child is to love their mother. So get really good at being a good partner, get really effective. And maybe what you might want to do just because you're already kind of so proactive about it is I would suggest you go take some classes with the mom and, um, and get very real about how you're going to help. Maybe get some premarital counseling or some, some, just some counseling together, get on the same page with the, the mother of this child Make sure that we're – before you get too deeply incorporated into her life, make sure we're here to stay. Um, I highly suggest, and it sounds archaic and old-fashioned, but I'd get married. Hello, as soon as you can or as soon as it makes sense in your relationship. And that's not just to be you know old-fashioned. There's huge benefits when we're married. And it actually changes the commitment. We've talked about it on the show quite a bit. A lot of people that aren't married think, nah, whatever. It's just, you know, whatever. You don't have to be married to have a commitment. Well – you don't. But when you are married, it is a bigger commitment and it, it changes things. So when you're married to the mother of this child, it changes the game. It makes it not just a legal obligation, but it kind of makes it a more permanent thing. And it's easier to stay in and it's easier to not fall out of it when you have the security of being married. So if that's what you're going to do anyway is get married, I'd highly suggest you do it. I go get some counseling. I'd be um, really, really strong and be a strong boundary setter with her father. And I mean, you don't need to get involved in it, but coach the mother on how to deal with her ex. One reason being is because the mother uh, has already not probably done that very well. That's kind of been hard for her probably. Um, And it sounds like the ex isn't too involved, but you just be strong, be there. Um, Another thing I would suggest to this guy is make sure you take time to to make the marriage really healthy. The child's great. That's it's it's essential. We want to take care of her. 
And don't just think by being a great dad or a great or a great husband that you're automatically this is just a family role. These are different roles you're going to play. You're going to play the role of a husband or a boyfriend. You're going to play the role of a of a guardian of somebody that cares for this child. You're going to also have a role as a family role. You're going to have a role as someone that can clean around the house and help. So um, make sure you're also growing the marriage. A lot of people assume simply because we're married and we have kids that the marriage is going to grow. And that's not true. That doesn't hold up with the data. Marriages don't just grow just because you have kids. In fact, sometimes the the opposite is true. Marriages struggle more um, when we have some children because it, they take our time, our energy, our resources, and we have more things to fight about. So work on the marriage as well. Make sure you have date nights. Make sure you have some family rituals. I'd try to have dinner every day together as a family. Those those consistent things that you do with the child and, and the mother um, are going to build a family. That's where the family grows. Family doesn't grow just because we have the same DNA. Family grows when we have the same dinner <laughs> And we have dinner the same times consistently when we're having some family time. Um, another really interesting little data point is um, I would try to to share some feelings. And it doesn't have to be religiosity. You don't have to be religious. But one of the things that they're finding about families that tend to do better as families is they have some spirituality in their life. So maybe it's a, it's something you could do is visit a church or go visit some um, go do something that reconnects you to Mother Nature or spirit or just positive things like that. There's something powerful about having shared values. And a lot of times um, where, you know, religions aren't always perfect, that what they do create is a pretty clear idea of what we value and what we don't. So I totally just want to celebrate this guy, 24-year-old man who wants to do it right and for the rest of us out there that, you know, have kids and are married or dating somebody – Listen to that advice. This is a guy that's making a difference in the life of not just a woman, but her daughter. And um, eventually that daughter, I promise you, will uh, thank you for everything you've given her. Proud of you, my friend, and proud of all of you for listening. This was a great show today. I hope uh, I hope you felt a little hope, and I hope you got to see the good in the world. There is a ton of good. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people, all of us. And uh, let's make sure we keep blessing the lives of those around us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with more ideas tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 